Hello all, my name is Jacob, and this is Podcast on Germany, Episode 7, Fighting for the Early Germans. Now before we begin, I just want to remind you that we are in the middle of recruitment month for the Podcast on Germany. We already have quite a few additions to our family, but we can still keep growing. So please just keep this in mind as we're going through the rest of this month. Tell your friends, tell your family about us. Send them to our website at www.podcastongermany.com or to our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash podcastongermany. Have them subscribe if they enjoy it. And then to mention your name so that way you get the points. The more points you have, the better your chance of selecting the episode subject for January 8th. So let's make sure to hit our goal by the end of the month. We can do it, guys. I know we can. All right, let's go ahead and get on with today's subject. We're dealing with early Germans and fighting. Now, I know I had mentioned burials last week, but as I was writing out the script, I realized with just fighting, I had a full episode. So instead of trying to fit both into one episode, we're going to spread them out into two. Now, as a side note, we are going to dive into a little of a German and Roman comparison towards the end of this episode. This is just to discuss what we should expect from early counters between the Germans and the Romans. So, first of all, if you remember from last episode discussing the social structure of early Germany, most of these early German sibs and families showed little and wealth and didn't have much in difference between a noble and a regular worker in the field. Now, this will change as time goes on, but for now, keep this in mind that there's not much money out there, there's not much of a class difference. And this will affect the weaponry and the type of fighting that will be available to these Germans. We also mentioned how the Germans were mainly focused on their families and their sibs. They weren't focused on anything but themselves and their neighbors. We also talked about how they were very xenophobic, meaning that they hated outsiders or were terrified of outsiders, didn't trust them. We also talked about a big part of their society was these things called feuds. Now, a feud was a fight between two different families, two different sibs, and it could be passed down generations. Now, these feuds would cause fractures that would make it almost impossible to build larger groups, because if one part of your group is constantly fighting the other one, they're never going to work together. So keeping these two in mind, we're going to see that the early Germans are actually going to be very warlike. Because you're either busy fighting to kill your neighbor Paul, whose great-grandfather stole your great-grandfather's horse. Or, you're worried about that guy you saw passing by just a day ago. He looked a little shifty. He says he's from the next village over, but you don't recognize him. He could be anyone. Probably best you uh, nip that in the bud if he comes back. With both of these going on, you're going to want to learn how to defend yourself. And you want to make sure that you have weapons at hand. Now, eventually, they will actually use these warlike tendencies to their advantage. Because, as we talked about earlier, there's not much in Germany that's worth a lot. They have amber in the far north. But for tradable goods... Early Germany is relying on grains and on livestock as their part of the trade. But if they're very good warriors, they could also use that for trade. 
So we'll start seeing these Germans selling themselves as mercenaries to their neighbors in trade for gold, in trade for treasure, and in trade for weapons. But we'll discuss that a little bit more as we deal with the Germans and the Gauls and the Germans and the Romans, especially when we talk about the Germans and the Romans. So let's talk about these early Germans' equipment. I want you to take a minute and create a short list of the weapons that you could find on a typical German warrior. Just pause the episode, make your list real quick. Alright, let's see how you did. Now, if you put anywhere on this list something that has used gunpowder, bullets, explosives, I hate to tell you, that's not what the early Germans are using. If you added anything on the list that involved gasoline or advanced mechanics in any way, well, again, that's not what the early Germans are going to be using. I mean, just think about how much would have actually changed if Julius Caesar and his legions ran into early Germans armed with 20th century technology. I doubt we would even be mentioning the Romans if that was the case. So all of those answers we can just immediately ignore. Let's move on from there. Are you ready? The average early German would have carried a spear and a shield. That's it. Nothing else. That's what the average weapon for a frontline fighter would carry. Now, if you were lucky enough to be a ranged person, carry some sort of longbow. Give you some distance, some arrows. But typically, an average fighter, you got your spear in one hand and your shield in the other. And that is it. Now, I bet a lot of you, probably most of you, put down sword. To be fair, that is the most common weapon anyone thinks of when you mention pre-gun fighting. Just think of a knight in shining armor. What's the weapon in his hand? I bet you're thinking a sword. What about a Roman soldier? Sword again. A man on a horse? Probably a sword. I don't even have to mention an era. Horse, man, and sword. They just all go together. But why aren't the early Germans using swords? Why are they sticking with a spear and a shield? Well, swords are super expensive to make compared to a spear. It requires a lot more metal and more skill to make than a spearhead. The blade is an elaborate creation, especially compared to a small head for an arrow or a slightly larger head for spears. The hilts themselves are typically made of metal, while the shafts of spears and arrows are simply wood. Remember what I said about Germany? It's not blessed in metals, so a lot of the material that would have to be used in making swords, well, that would have to be brought in. And that adds up a lot. You have to find a good enough blacksmith You have to find a merchant from the south to trade with you. And it's going to take time to make the sword. So you have to be rather wealthy in order to have your sword be made in Germany. I hope you're not expecting too much because they're not going to be near as good as the swords in the south. So these swords, they're expensive. It takes too long to make a sword. It's too expensive. 
And so when you are trying to arm your fellow tribesmen, or later on, when you're trying to arm your loyal bodyguards, swords are not going to be at the top of your list. Spears will be. Eventually, if you're rich enough, you're going to start adding swords to that list. But it's going to take a while. Swords are also very limiting. With the sword, you can hack or you can stab the link of your arm and the blade. The longer the blade, the more metal it costs. So the blades are typically going to be rather short. So the sword is going to be excellent at close combat with the guy right in front of you because you can hack and slash rather easily as just moving your arm. But if the enemy is outside of that range, you have no recourse. You have no way of hitting them because your sword and your arm are not going to be as long as a spear. Meanwhile, spears are longer. You can hold them at different areas on the shaft in order to increase range and control. And while it is limiting and close combat, if you can maintain your distance from your enemy, that sword becomes meaningless. You also have the distinct advantage of being able to throw your spear. The shorter spears, javelins, will be excellent at this. You can hoist it and throw it ahead of you as you're charging. Meanwhile, the guy with the sword has to wait for you to get within range, or has to charge at you in order to get at range. But you're thinking, well, Jacob, if I throw my spear, what do I do? Well, typically, you grab your second spear. These spears are going to be so lightweight that you could probably carry two or three of them, depending on the size of the spear. And while, yes, you can really, really do a lot of damage with a sword, you can do a lot of damage with a spear, too. So let's look at the scoreboard. A sword requires more metal. It's expensive to make. It has a shorter range. And it can kill people. Spears need less metal. They're not that expensive to make. They have a medium range of threats and can be thrown. Oh, and they can also kill people. If you have to arm a lot of people at once, which one's going to be easier to get? Spears or swords? It's going to be spears. So spears are going to be armed throughout the early Germans. Now we do have other weapons for close combat. We have axes. We have daggers. But the spear is going to be the main weapon for these early Germans. And while we will see swords become more and more popular as the Germans start to get rich thanks to the Romans, they're still not going to be as popular or as widely used as spears. Are you having a hard time believing me? That's okay. Let's take a look at a site. Now this archaeological site is one of these amazing boats that was sunk into peat bogs that, if the podcast on Germany's theory is correct, was put there by time-traveling archaeologists and historians. This boat was sunk into the bog in the last century of the BC. So anywhere from 100 BC to 0 AD, this boat was somewhere put into this bog. Inside the ship that could hold about 24 men, we found spears and swords, we found shield, we found bows, we found arrowheads, we found a lot of weaponry. 
But looking at the spears and swords, you want to guess what the ratio of the weapons we found just comparing the spears and swords together? Would you say we found for every 10 spears we found a sword? Nope. Go higher. 15 spears for every sword? Nope. We found one sword for every 21 spearheads. One sword for every 21 spears. In total, we found six swords and 130 spearheads in this boat. Think about this. If you raised an army of a thousand men and had this ratio among your troops, that means only 47 men would be armed with swords. 47. So swords, they are not going to be a major part of your troops' weaponry. What's with the spears? Why are they so popular? Well, as I mentioned, they're easy to make, they give you medium range effectiveness, and they can be thrown. Plus, you can carry as many as you can hold. What types of spears are we dealing with? Well, we have a lot of different types. We have javelins, which are typically shorter spears that are thrown more than handled as hand-to-hand -hand combat. You could probably carry two or three of these, and you would hurl them at the enemy. We also have the regular spear, which is probably going to be six feet, uh, depending on the lengths. These spears are mainly for thrusting, and they're great at medium range, but they are harder to wield once you get into close range. Finally, we have lances that will be seen used on horseback. These are typically longer, allowing for further reach for the horsemen. Spears, well, spears were everywhere for the Germans. They were just too easy to make, too easy to learn how to use and throw. Most importantly, easy enough to arm your men with to not be used. The spear would just dominate this early German military. Alright, so enough about spears. You're tired about spears. Let's move on from spears. No more talking about spears, spears, spears. What else are these Germans using other than spears? Well, we do have evidence of axes being used, but we also have evidence of bows and arrows, giving more range to these early Germans. They typically would use a long bow on foot. Bows and arrows, they're a simple weapon to craft, and they give them a range attack. We've found plenty of arrowheads throughout archaeological sites in early German tribes. So, you've got your spear, you've got your bow and arrow, maybe an axe. If you're really, 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 really lucky, maybe a sword. Are you ready to go fight for us? Do the podcast on Germany proud? No? Oh, I'm sorry. Your shield. Duh, you need your shield. Okay, you probably want something to defend yourself with. Makes sense. Our skin's not going to do much against a sword or a spearhead or an arrowhead. Well, the Germans do have shields. And, yeah, that's it. No other armor. Shields. That's all you get. These shields are going to be large. And they're either going to be oval in shape or rectangular. And while they could cover a decent part of your body, and even more of your body if you're, you know, on the shorter side, they would only be good for light to medium piercing damage. These shields would be made from a wicker work, just woven with fiber material. Or they would be solid wood, which would be heavier, but more durable. 
And if you're lucky enough, with enough time and money, you could even get to, you know, put a little style on your shield. Put some bronze striping on there. Show that you're the cool shield guy. There's also going to be, especially as we get further on, shield bosses put onto these shields. Now, shield bosses sit on the center of the shield facing towards the enemy. And they're just a solid piece of metal or wood that allow you to use the shield as a weapon instead of just having to use it to defend yourself. The boss allows you to use your shield to bash at someone and put all the energy in your bash into one localized area. You can use it to smash through someone else's shield. You can use it to hit them in the head. It's rather effective at stunning your enemy. With the shield boss, it's the difference between slapping your face and punching your face. Which is going to hurt more? Which is going to cause more damage? Shields would have been common with the warriors, but doesn't mean that everyone had one. Maybe your previous shield broke and you haven't replaced it yet. Maybe you expect the gods to get you through this. But all you need to fight is the spear. The shield is just a very nice accessory. Now many of you may be thinking that a shield probably would not be enough for you to go out and fight to the death. You'd love some armor. Heck, you'd probably love a ton of armor before you went and fought spear v spear. But for these early Germans, there is no armor. The average fighter goes into battle wearing their work clothes. I gotta tell you, most farmers' clothes aren't made with the idea of blocking a sword or a spear thrust. So you're going into battle with a shirt and a pair of pants. That's it. If you think this is bad, we do have quite a few examples from Roman reliefs showing the Germans fighting naked, believing that their gods would protect them. So, if you don't want to get your work clothes completely messed up, you could go completely nude. The Germans are huge supporters of nudist soldiers, you know. So that's a pretty small amount of armament, right? What advantages does it give you? Well, you got light armament allowing you to move quickly and not exhaust yourself. You have range weapons allowing you to keep your distance. And you got a large shield that covers a decent part of your body. However, when you do get into close range, you have absolutely no protection compared to a heavily armored man armed with a sword. Their swords will have better use at close combat compared to your spear, though you can get the advantage back if you create a distance between yourself and him. Now you're thinking, won't this change by the fall of Rome? Won't the Germans realize that fighting naked, fighting in work clothes is not the best way? And the answer is no. These early Germans are very slow to adapt their fighting style. It is true that more swords are going to become common for the early Germans, and they are going to adapt Roman armor when they can, but it's not going to stop them from going and fighting in their work clothes because that's all they have. It's not going to stop them from using spears because there's a lot more of them than there are swords available. We're going to see a lot of these Germans throughout the Roman Empire's time, still fighting in the nude, still fighting in farmer's clothes, relying on a wicker shield and a spear to see them through. So now that we have the armaments, what about the actual size of the troops fighting? 
What about their cavalry? Well, for the actual size of the troops, we have Roman accounts that show massive amount of armies moving from the early Germans. And quite a few times, it seems like the early Germans outnumber the Romans. However, we can write this off as a typical propaganda move. I mean, how awesome is it to win a battle against overwhelming barbarian hordes rather than even odds at best? As we reach the battles, we'll get into more detail about what each army had. However, for now, we can say that the German armies at their height probably never broke past 20,000 fighting troops. And that would have been due to extraordinary circumstances. For Germans fighting Germans, you're probably dealing with less than 100 combatants in a pre-Roman age army. Charging at the enemy in a rush to catch them off guard, the warriors would throw their spare spears and javelins and then raise their shields to block incoming missiles. As they reached the enemy, the fighters would break off and face one another in person-to-person combat. Each battle breaks off into separate fights. And this fighting won't last too long. All it takes is for one spear to make it past the shield to end the fight. Eventually, the spirit of one group would break and the battle would be over. The feud would be sated or the threat to your homes averted by your victory. Now, what about the horsemen? Well, we do have some Germans on horses, but for the majority of the Germans, they're fighting on foot. German horse combat will come much later, and even then, in service of the Romans more often than for themselves. It's because of several reasons. Reason one, horses are extremely expensive to maintain. They don't provide a meat source for you. They don't provide milk. They provide labor, and they take up a lot of food and space and care. So you have to be rather wealthy in order to afford a horse. Reason two. Early German horses were tiny. Remember how tall we were saying they were? They're tiny. So these horses would have to come from the south if they're going to be large enough for the Germans to ride. So again, that adds into the expensive factor. It's also going to add in the fact that there's no culture built around these horses because what's the point? You can't ride them. They're useless to you. So they're not going to build their fighting culture around something that's completely useless to them. So for these early Germans, horses, they're a sign of wealth. They're a sign of nobility. Later on, when more Germans are serving the Romans, we'll see a lot more horsemen in there. But for now, you're on foot. Alright, so we talked about the early German army, we've talked about their weapons, we've talked a little bit about the size of their troops. What would be their strategy in fighting? Well, being able to move around quickly allows them to pick where they want to fight. If they know where the enemy army is, they can maneuver around them. They can find the perfect place to ambush them. If they don't know where the enemy army is, they're going to be a little bit slower going through. They are going to be looking for a quick fight. Because if these troops get bogged down in hand-to-hand combat, they will lose because they don't have protection. So each cut, each stab that gets past their shield will hit. They don't have the luxury of taking blows. These fighters are also farmers. They are needed at their villages, at their sibs, to help protect their family, to make sure that the crops run. And so you can't afford long campaigns 
as the early Germans. Whatever you're going to do, you have to do quickly, cycle through, and then go home. So for the Germans, you're looking for quick action. You're looking for the advantage of maneuver. You're looking for surprise. And you're looking at a short campaign. How's this going to do compared to the Romans? Well, in one word, poorly. For most of the time. Romans have heavy armor. They are armed with javelins and swords. And they work as a machine when fighting. The Romans stand side by side. They protect each other with the shields. If a German tribe attacks a Roman legion, the Germans will try to square off with them man to man. However, they're going to meet a solid wall of armor and shields that forces them to get into close contact with the Romans. This close range favors the Roman sword. So the Germans who attack the Romans when the Romans have been able to prepare for them have certainly been slaughtered. For these early Germans to charge the solid wall of death and seeing a lack of effect would have devastated them. It makes you wonder how they could just keep using the same weapons and strategies. That being said, there is a unique advantage that the Germans have against the Romans. See, the Romans win their battles when they're prepared, when they can set their armies up, force the enemy come to them, or when they've cornered the enemy and can get to them easily. If the Germans are forced to react to the Romans, they will never win. But if they can use their maneuverability, if they can set up the battlefield first, attack the Romans when they're not planning to fight, then the Roman machinery breaks down. That wall of death is not prepared. And so the Romans aren't able to protect each other and are forced to fight the Germans in single combat. And the single combat favors the German style much more than the Romans. Now, casualties would still be high, for the Romans are heavily armored. The Germans have a decent chance of victory when they can control where the battle is being held, when they can catch the Romans off guard, and when they can break that wall of death. Alright, so that's it for today. Join us next week as we deal with the barrels of the Germans. Don't forget that we're still in the middle of the November challenge. Alright guys, have a great weekend, and I'll see you on Tuesday.